You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Jesse Reeves. Jesse, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you. Hi. Let's talk about your show. Um, you have a show up now at Bridget Donahue um, in the city, and it's called At the Well. Uh, I, I want to go through the show and, and talk about it a little bit, but perhaps we should just begin with uh, the title, which is really interesting, At the Well. It's, it's kind of so provocative. It sounds like an endless source. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that title? Um, yeah, I, can t- I, I think you kind of hit it, hit it on the nose when you said um, sort of trying to refer to an endless source. I always really struggle with titling the exhibition as a whole. Um, titling something that I really enjoy the challenge of titling the individual works and it's something um, when I've had teaching opportunities I really like to focus on but for some reason titling the exhibition as a whole or finding language that can kind of stand in for the group is something that is challenging to me so the the sort of process of arriving at that title was um, working in the studio I had been casting this um, sort of relief of a woman from behind, which is featured in two of the works in the exhibition. And I sort of set one of the cast reliefs down on this um, circular tabletop that I don't didn't end up becoming a part of any of the works. And I looked at it and I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> it's sort of this kind of like a, a the rural image of a woman at a well. It just, it just uh, sort of emerged in that moment and um, kept coming back to it as an idea for the title of the exhibition and I liked the idea of um, the kind of expansiveness of that title. It could be, you know, there's a sort of dark associations that come to mind for me in terms of like addiction and, um, you know, this kind of endless striving for something that is never really attainable but also um, kind of an exciting uh, the, the sort of exciting implications which would be like, you know, like you you sort of referred to going to the source or, um, you know, even the kind of act of creating in itself, like looking for the source, um, visiting the source. So I like that. I like that. Yeah, that, that, that just seems to have so many meanings. Um, so let's go through the show a little bit. Um, so much work in the show is seems like it could be furniture or it is furniture. Um, but maybe uh, to begin with, with one of those, it maybe could be the one that you were perhaps just talking about, which is small girl table. Is that the one you meant you were working on like a, a profile from behind? Yes. So tell me about this. It's, I, I love the materials. It's like it's, it's wood, but there's also sawdust involved and glue. Um, and at the same time, this looks like it maybe could be um, a table, but not really because it's um, so much an art object and so much of the surface isn't flat. Uh, it's it's kind of an in-between, right? I mean, this it's it, these are look almost to me when I was walking on the show, they, they look like furniture that has kind of organically grown out of its its use or something. But um, but mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about this, because it feels like there's a story in this a little bit, too. Um, interesting. That, so Small Girl Table was the last piece that I 
worked on for this exhibition, so it's interesting to start there. Uh, in a way, it's almost the most familiar, or I always hold the the work that I finished the last kind of fits in this special place in my mind, but I was I, I was kind of fascinated with the idea of a, a bedside table or um, a small table that had an uneven surface. I liked the kind of absurdity or the, the kind of potentially um, problematic or disastrous nature of like a bedside table where maybe you go to set a glass of water and the surface is never completely even. So it's kind of this like um, tricky situation. And I, you know, I kind of wanted to make this object that sort of leaned into the surrealism of a lot of furniture that is directly mimicking the body. There's, there's always kind of a productive problem there for me where furniture is automatically related to the body, even in the way that we name it you know, the arm of a chair, the leg of a table, these kinds of automatic associations. Just, um, you know, sometimes I'm kind of quite bored with the way in which people have anthropomorphized, anthropomorphized my work in the past or used that as sort of a entry point. So I was just looking for ways to kind of confront that directly, literally the cast of a, of a woman's body, kind of cut into these pieces, reduced back into into building block materials, and then um, assembled into the table. But they're not technically um, structural pieces of the table. The, the pieces of the relief are completely decorative. Um, this was also thinking about different um, people who've made furniture that has a sculptural bodily relationship like you know there's there's many examples sure sure and yeah that's really interesting so and and i like that you're saying that people try to anthropomorphize and you kind of uh kind of push back at that right that's not how you want them to be read um it, it sounds like so looking at a piece like laying her to rest which is um you know, sounds like we're talking about somebody. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That's another beautiful piece. I mean, I, I, I find these like so sort of tactile and sensual in a way. It's one of these shows where I want to touch everything and I resist, you know. Um, so, yeah, if you could tell me a little about that, her laying her to rest, because, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of coming up with a story for this, but, of course, I don't have one. I'm... I'm I'm not there, but it, but it does seem like it, it points to something in particular. Yeah, there's, the, uh, I appreciate that. And there's, I, I'm glad that you talked about this piece. I feel like it's maybe one of the strangest works in the show or, um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few different um, ways in which I like to talk about it. So the, the existing object that the sculpture is structured around is one of the is an early plastic design object. I think it was produced by Cartel, and it's this kind of round plastic formed storage container. And that that's actually a piece that I owned and lived with for a long time. You know, kind of apartment to apartment over the last 
12 years in New York. I kept makeup and nail polish and, you know, medicine and all these kind of, uh, all the things that we're always trying to store but not see in this container. And then, um, so one one sort of reality of the title is is playing with that, like when you're, when you're finally done living with an object um, and for any number of reasons, like maybe you kind of, you sort of move on from the style of the object and all of its associations, or, you know, maybe it's kind of damaged beyond repair. Uh, so it set about sort of building this structure to contain that object and the, the, um, the approach to the sort of padded panels that hold, that hold this um, cartel plastic piece are based on this kind of DIY craft project called a memory board, which is, you know, basically just upholstering a flat board using foam and or batting fabric and ribbon. So it's really a but wait, before, before you go on there, a, a memory board is that that's like a thing that's like a project that people do a memory board. Yes, maybe you could probably look up a YouTube video for how to do this technique, and it's like something that a teen would maybe a teen would do and then they would hang it on the wall of their room and you can tuck photos or different ephemera into the places where these ribbons um, touch the fabric. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Kind of like a, like an old fashioned kind of cork board or something where exactly. you put photos and yeah. Exactly. Like a cork board that doesn't require pins. Exactly. Um, so the, that's the, the sort of structure of this technique and then the uh, sort of flipped inside out. So it's, it is, you know, slightly more casket-like, which right, and it, I think is probably <laughs> giving too much information. Okay, yeah, um, but that's okay. That, that leads to... Um, to other works, there's a there's a few hanging racks in there, which, um, on one hand, seem completely sculptural and like nothing I'd ever use for a hanging rack, of course. But they also seem to have uh, to be almost functional, right? To be able to to be used that way, um, which is kind of a border borderline you you play with, right? These some of these can actually be used if you own them or touched and some and some can't be. Um, hanging rack one, yeah, and, and hanging rack two. I'd, I'd love to talk about those because these are these are quite different than the rest. These these seem kind of like uh like the woodworking is beautiful in them and that and that they come close to almost thinking, I could use this kind of thing, whereas I don't feel that about much of the rest of the work. Interesting. There's, um, yeah, I, I guess I hope that the works in the show, um, the sort of range of, of works give, give a range of impressions for um, how you may or may not use them or your sort of perceived comfort level with using any of them. But they're also meant to kind of tease at the, the idea of function not so much as like an invitation to use, but I guess more like a dare, um, really, you know, more like a question of like, if, if, if you're told that you could use this, you know, how would you or why would you? 
and would you ever? Um, so the, the hanging racks, you know, really are sort of born out of, uh, I guess, a, a really, a, I guess a story that I kind of returned to with like a, a work that I made a long time ago, um, which was called Waterproof Shelf. And that was sort of a freestanding shelf with this kind of zippered nylon, almost body bag structure or body bag outfit kind of uh, draped over it. And it zipped and unzipped. And I like the kind of... Uh, questioning of why you would ever need a waterproof shelf and you know was it like because you might have a leaky roof or would you put it in the bathroom um, where things kind of get like damp and um, saturated with moisture and for some reason that kind of uh, I guess it kind of like led me into this idea of the bathroom as this this place that where scale becomes really important you know we live I personally live in a city whose bathrooms are really small, but what if you kind of have this treacherous object meant to exist in there? So the sort of starting point for these was almost like a towel rack, which there's another work in the exhibition that's, that is a towel rack, towel warming rack. And these kind of morphed into something that could, could be a little bit um, looser in terms of its you know, association. So that's why I kind of reduced it back to hanging rack. You could hang any number of things off of this or, or not. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I, and and I, I like that just the range of materials in here and, and the objects, it seems um, so exciting to just walk around and, and look at different, different objects and how they're made and what they're made of. There was one called fashion collaboration. Um, which is 2022, and um, and it it looks like for shoes, uh, but you know, though I imagine they're made out of, out of wood, it almost looks ceramic. It's or leather, like the the medium is hard to pin down by looking at it. Though I know it's like you know, I guess a, a shoe and there's sawdust and, and wood in there, but it's the kind of thing again where I want to touch it or reach, you know reach forward and and understand what this is. Um, what is happening there? Those seem like I, I, I'm not sure if there's a pair in there, but they're <laughs> they're this really odd, wonderful mix of of shoes of heels that seem to have a, a life of their own. They they seem you know almost like an animal that's about to crawl away. But then again, this is called that collaboration. So um, yeah, let's let's talk about that. What is is there a collaboration here, and and what's happening? Oh goodness! Well, yeah, this is. Oh, there's. I guess I have a lot to say about fashion collaboration. The the material start there because um, I think I, I use this this combination of materials, which is sawdust mixed with wood glue, and that's present in quite a few of the sculptures. Not not all of them, um, but I've been using that. It, it, it essentially is a mixture of those two materials, really simple, and mix it in a bucket, and it almost becomes like a wooden clay. So when it dries, it's hard enough to sand or cut, just like any other type of engineered wood. Um, a lot of you know plywood or masonite or um, particle board is really just some kind of mixture of 
of wood with a type of glue or resin. So that's that's the material that these are made out of, and they're just shoes from a thrift store that have been covered in the sawdust. And the original intention, you can see on one of the shoes that it's sort of cut from the back. Right, like it looked, uh, it was about to be cut down the middle or something and, and stopped. Mm-hmm. So I got the shoes with the with the idea of cutting them in half, and I had more shoes. I think there's four different shoes here, so I must have had four pairs. <laughs> and I cut I cut the first four shoes in half, and it's this incredibly challenging process to cut the shoe in half. There's actually a lot of metal and a lot of just crazy unexpected materials inside of the heel, the high heel. Other shoes are simpler, I think, but um, you know, the, anything with a heel really has to have this kind of metal support in the arch and down the, the heel of the shoe. So I tried probably every way under the sun to try, cut these shoes in half. It took over an hour to cut each shoe. And these were the remaining ones that I, I basically lost steam for cutting them. And so I kind of pushed them up against the wall in this formation in the studio. And uh, my my kind of affection for them as as a sculpture just kind of grew over the the process of working for the show, working on the show. And you know the the title is really kind of meant to be a tongue in cheek reference to something that's um, happening in the art world, and you know also in my life sometimes to varying degrees of success or dissatisfaction or um, happiness, which is, you know, fashion and art are sort of um, depending on each other more and more and kind of um, reaching to associate with with one another. So even though this work itself wasn't a collaboration, it kind of meant to allude to that broadly. I like that, right? That is something that, of course, is yeah. We see more and more of in the in the art world, and um, it seems to be a kind of uh, staple almost of how the art world is working. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful show. I, I just want to congratulate you on the show and and to talk a little bit about like the the look of the whole show, right? The installation was was what I also really enjoyed. How everything was installed because it. You walk into this this room of of objects and of all different sizes, which is really wonderful. From uh, quite small objects to these these really large objects. Um, how do you view the show? It almost feels to me like like a room that you're walking through, and some things I can sit on, and some things I can't. Some things I can only look at. Um, you know, it, it almost seems like they're they're out of their context. Um, but that's just my read on it. I'm curious how you think about how the whole installation is coming together because they they seem to be more than sculptural objects somehow. They seem to almost ask for interaction or, or that's how, how I felt. Yeah, I can um, speak to the installation. I think there's there's... There is seating in the show, and the, there's these kind of booth, restaurant booth sculptures. Well, they're not really sculptures. I'm calling them modified exhibition seating. Um, I like to offer seating in the exhibition because I think it's it's just kind of like a, I mean, I really just intend it to be generous in a way so that 
um, you can like set your bag down or sit for a second or you have the option of kind of extending the viewing process if you want that. So how to figure out a way that I can provide that in the exhibition without being forced to make, make my work also function as seating. Because sometimes I, I'm interested in doing that. There's two you know, kind of chair works in this exhibition that you can sit on, but they're a little bit more precarious. And um, the viewer is coming into the exhibition with all of their usual um, approach to the world. So one person is going to ask if they can sit. The next person is going to, you know, sit down in the chair and rock back and forth. The next person might never sit. Even if there's a sign that says, please sit, they might never sit. So how to sort of um, give some seating, some sort of more yeah, generous option for people that's a little less intimidating. So that was the, the kind of structure of using the, the restaurant booths to, to kind of frame the show. I sort of think of them as these larger anchors, almost like tree stumps or something that uh, they're these kind of like blocky forms that sort of in, a, in one way they kind of break the exhibition up, but in other ways they're, they're these kind of like anchors. And the installation is is a challenge sometimes because the two main associations with, with furniture objects in a room are sort of the commercial showroom and then the domestic the domestic space. So trying to look for a version of the installation that doesn't settle easily into either category, but kind of sits in this productive middle space of um, hopefully making the viewer wonder how they could move these objects around, you know, almost not in your mind, but I guess I feel like most people have the experience of moving furniture around in a room. And I like the, to refer to the kind of looseness or the, I guess the kind of agency in that. I like that. Yeah, so interesting. It's such a beautiful show, really intriguing. Um, Jesse, this show is up through November 19th, of course, and um, there's more information here for those who want to attend if you're hearing it in time. Jesse, I want to I thank you for, for talking to me about this, and I want to ask you one more question, which is um, what are you reading at the moment? Um, thank you. Thank you for the compliment. I really appreciate it. I... I'm reading a few different things. If I'm, I mean, I'm, right now I'm reading two poetry books because I've been traveling and not like long relaxing travel, but sort of need books that I can pick up and put back down. So I'm reading two books of poetry and then actually suffered a loss in my family recently. So I'm reading a book about grief that someone gave me and I'm still trying to make it through uh, the novel that I started uh, longer ago than I'd like to admit, but that one's called Chronic City, and it's it's really good. It's kind of surreal um, novel set in New York, and all kinds of strange things happen in it. Like where I'm at in it right now, the the city just sort of the whole city starts to smell like chocolate, and it's never explained why, and it's sort of just something that everyone in the book is dealing with and noticing bizarre chocolate smell just like wafting through the city so that's my stack 
Thank you so much for sharing that with me. And again, thank you for talking with me. And I wish you well on uh, your beautiful show at the well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really nice talking to you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.